Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's February 25th, 2021. You're with us for our Congregation of Prayer, Guide for Daily Meditation and Prayer around God's Word. I miss uh, being able to both experience but also record uh, large massed choirs. And uh, there's so much fear. I don't know. I don't know how long it will be before we're willing to. Uh, to sit in confined spaces with many people singing together uh, in songs of praise to our Lord. But there we are. Our devotion today is uh, continuing to consider the sacrament of the altar from the perspective of the scriptures. Um, It might seem a little bit tangential to consider the the golden calf incident as something that can teach us about the sacrament of the altar, Um, but I would encourage you to uh, consider with me how that is possible. So, uh, let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Say our memory verse for this week. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. John 6, verse 51. Prayer Psalm He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste, because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, and a parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By this, or excuse me, by his blessing, they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, give me one moment here. Our first reading today is from Hebrews chapter 10. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, 
This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us, through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another as, and so much more, as you see the day approaching. All right. And our reading for catechesis is from Exodus chapter 32. Again, a moment. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears, and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand. And he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink, and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go, get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves, they have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them, they have made themselves a molded calf, and worshipped it, and sacrificed to it, and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And and the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God, and said, Lord, Why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say, He brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, And all this land that I have spoken of I will give to your descendants, that they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he had said he would do to his people. And Moses turned and went down from the mountain. And the two tablets of the testimony were in his hand. The tablets were written on both sides. On the one side and on the other they were written. 
Now the tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. And when Moses, or Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, It is not the noise of the shout of victory, nor the noise of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing I hear. So it was as soon as he came near the camp and he, that he saw the calf and the dancing. So Moses' anger became hot, and he cast the tablets out of his hand and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Then he took the calf which they had made, burned it with fire, ground it to powder, and he scattered it on the water and made the children of Israel drink it. All right, we had some catechesis on this text um, back in the fall, and but not so much in particular towards, um, I would say, towards the sacrament of the altar. So let's hear it again in that context. All right, so some basic questions here. How long had Moses been up on the mountain? Well, for this, you'd have to go back to Exodus 24. He'd been there for 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, what do the people ask of Aaron? They wanted Aaron to make them gods to go before them as their leaders, right? Why? Because Moses is M-I-A. Um, good question, though. What is a god? You see that word here in verse 1? Think of Luther's definition, right? Anyone or anything that you put your trust in for good in your lives. So anyone or anything that you put trust in for good in your lives, right? So um, gods come in all shapes and sizes. What did the people say about Moses? There again, they did not know what had become of him, right? And how did Moses, or excuse me, Aaron respond to their request? Well, what better for an idol than some gold, right? So he asked for their golden earrings. Um, they took all that gold, right, um, and jewelry, and gave it to Aaron to make what a molded calf, a golden calf. Um, for an interesting comparison, we should look at Exodus 35. So just a few chapters later, uh, something similar happens, but it's actually uh, a positive example. Exodus 35. And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. All right, so this is different. Whoever is of willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. Gold just like here, but also silver and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair, ram skins dyed red, badger skins, and acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for anointing oil, and for the sweet incense, onyx stones, and the stones to be set in the ephod and the breastplate, and then keeps going on, all the articles of the temple, and they're all uh, presented. And again, um, note that he said, uh, those who are willing of heart, so then later, then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing, and they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting. All right. So there the, the people freely give of their best um, to make and to adorn the tabernacle and the priestly vestments. It was kind of a contrast, a nice contrast. So Aaron takes the gold, he engraves it, right, uh, and, and fashions it as a molded calf. What did the people say about this calf? They said, this is the God that had brought them out of the land of Egypt. Hmm. Um, now Aaron, I, he's an interesting character. What does he, 
What does he do? He builds an altar in front of it. Um, but what confusing thing does he say here? A proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. So you see what Aaron does? He takes the calf and he says, well, you know what? That could represent the Lord too, right? Ah, interesting. Uh, what did uh, the people do on the feast day? They sacrificed burnt offerings. They brought peace offerings. They sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So there's the eating and drinking. Ah, that belongs not only with the worship of God, the true worship of Father, Son, and Spirit, but also the false worship, the idolatry of the people. Involves eating and drinking. Hmm. Um, Verse 7, what's the importance of the Lord saying, your people? And he's speaking to Moses here. Yeah, the Lord is angry with the people that Moses had brought out of Egypt uh, and that he had called as his own. By calling him your people to Moses, what is he effectively doing? They've disowned themselves, right, from God, and he's disowning them. How does God describe the people, in particular in verse 9? We'll hear this frequently. They are a stiff-necked people. And what does um, God ask then in verse 10? That Moses leave him alone so that his anger could burn hot against the people and that he consume them and make of Moses a great nation instead. Ah, there's a problem with that, isn't there? Did God really want to destroy his people? Of course not, right? And Moses knows that too. Moses responds to the Lord's words with what? Yeah, he begs him to relent, see this in verse 12, from the harm to his people. Why? It's because Moses, like us, believes that God is a God of mercy, not of wrath and of judgment, but he wants to be known by us as a God of mercy. So Moses even challenges, challenges um, God here. Well, we know he's a God of mercy because he brought, him out, brought them out of the land of Egypt, right? Out of slavery, right? Um, he challenges him by saying um, that the Egyptians will get the wrong impression. <laughs> Right? But they all say that God had, um, is a God of evil intent who brought his, these people out to kill them and to wipe them off the face of the earth. Not a God who would save him. And so then Moses makes a key appeal here in verse 13, as we should too, to hold God to his promise, right? The promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, could, here's an interesting question then, could God have kept his promise if he started over with Moses? We have to think of the genealogy of Moses. Moses is of the house of Levi, Mm. Uh, but the promise was given to the house of Judah, right? So Moses rightly, as a priest, holds God to account to his own word, right? Which is what we do too. He says, when you pray, pray like this. And so we pray like this because those are the promises um, that he wants us to hold him accountable to. And that's what faith is. How does the Lord respond to the request of Moses? Of course, he relents of the harm, which he had said he would do to his people. Uh, upon what is the, are, were the commandments written? The two tablets of testimony, right? So stone on both sides, front and back. Why do you think these, the commandments were called here the testimony? 
What do they testify to? Or rather, what do they testify against? Yeah, they testify against the sinfulness of men and they condemn us, right? Remember the, the Latin phrase, that's a helpful maxim from the Lutheran Confessions, lex semper accusat. Hopefully you can remember that, lex semper accusat. The law always accuses, right? So it's a testimony against our sin. It's given because of trespasses, to quote Paul. Uh, what's noted in verse 16 then, emphatically? The tablets then, again, are the work of God and the writing was the writing of God. Uh, all right, now, uh, returning to our journey back, uh, Joshua, what note does he make about the noise? It's the sound of war in the camp. And is Joshua right? Actually, yes, the people are at war against God. They've made God their enemy by worshiping this false god. Uh, but what does Moses note? Not the sound of victory or defeat, but the sound of singing. Mm. How did Moses react when he saw the camp? He ends up uh, taking the place of God here, right? His anger burning hot, throwing down the tablets, breaking them at the foot of the mountain. Uh, why was this an appropriate reaction? He just told God to relent and be merciful, and now Moses himself is anger. Well, this is actually within Moses' office as the prophet, right? You say, well, is he supposed to look the other way when they break God's command? No, right? They had broken the commandments of God, and it's an appropriate reaction for him then um, to be angry with them within his office. We talked about that yesterday in regards to uh, Psalm 109. What three things did Moses do to the calf? See this in verse 20. He took it, he burned it with fire, he ground it with powder, powder, into powder, scattered on the water, and made Israel drink it. Um, this is interesting because as we talked about um, back on Tuesday, right, with the water from the rock, we have other events in Exodus um, with water. We also had the water um, in the river made sweet, right? Um, is there another example? Thinking of water. Mm, I don't think so. All right. So, um, think about it here. God told Moses that he would consume the people uh, with the fire of his anger, right? But now the calf was consumed by fire instead. You see? So the calf takes uh, the place of God's anger. Uh, remember back at Marah, the Israelites could not drink the water because it was bitter, again, until the Lord told Moses to put wood into the water to make it sweet, right? So then the wood draws out the bitterness of the water. And now the water was made bitter again, but by the idol that they had desired, which is put back into the water. All right, meditation on this text. The Lord, the God of Israel, had graciously brought the elders of Israel up to eat and drink upon the mountain. Though they saw God, they did not die, but lived, for he did not raise his hand against them. And yet, here, they rejected the Lord who had so mercifully fed them. And they replaced him with a lifeless idol that could not feed them at all. They ate and drank of the table of demons, and their eating produced death. Just as the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil produced death, 
Those who feasted before the golden calf would taste the bitter waters of their dead God and thus taste death. We have been called to eat and drink and see God in the Lord's Supper. There he does not raise his hand against us, but has promised us forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. And there we taste of his life. All right. So, sacrament of the altar from the catechism. What is the benefit of this eating and drinking? Respond. These words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, show us that in the sacrament, forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation are given us through these words. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. Question. How can bodily eating and drinking do such great things? Answer. Certainly not just eating and drinking do these things, but the words written here, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, These words, along with the bodily eating and drinking, are the main thing in the sacrament. Whoever believes these words, that's exactly what they say. Forgiveness of sins. We pray. Lord Jesus Christ, by your own words you have instituted the Lord's Supper, teaching us to believe that it is your true body and blood under the bread and wine for us Christians to eat and to drink. We give thanks to you for this precious gift. Give us true faith in your words, that we might receive your body and blood for the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation as you have promised. In your holy name we pray. Amen. On this Thursday, we pray for the church and her pastors, for all missionaries, teachers, deaconesses, and other servants of Christ in his church, for the fruitful and salutary use of the blessed sacrament of the Lord's body and blood. Let us pray to the Lord. We pray for all first responders, doctors, nurses, and all those who work in nursing homes and hospitals. We pray for an end. To all fear, anxious thoughts, and constant worry, trusting that God provides all that is needed in every circumstance. We pray for deliverance from all authoritarian, tyrannical, and dictatorial rule, those who would restrict or censor our faith as well as our rights to speech, press, assembly, and redress of grievances. Pray the Lord grant all women with child and all mothers with infant children increasing happiness in their blessings, that he defend all orphans and widows and provide for them. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray for those who are ill, receiving treatment, or recovering, especially Marcella, Kelsey, Amanda, John, Timothy, Sandy, Linda, and Ken, Aaron, and Penny. Our homebound, Bev, David, Willis, and Janice, and Mickey. Sheboygan Lutheran High School and Sheboygan County Hispanic Outreach. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. O Lord God, you led your ancient people through the wilderness and brought them to the promised land. Guide the people of your church that following our Savior, we may walk through the wilderness of this world to the glory of the world to come. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, we sing our hymn for this week, All Mankind Fell in Adam's Fall. Stanzas one, two, and four. All mankind fell in Adam's fall. One common sin infects us all. From one to all the curse descends, and over all God's wrath impends. Through all our powers, in dreadful bondage keeps. In guilt we draw our infant breath and reap its fruits of woe and death. But Christ the second Adam came to bear our sin and woe and shame, to be our life, our light, our way, our only hope, our only stay. Most excellent. Good to have you all with us here today. Chris, Don, Karen, Grace, Michael, Lori, Eileen, and Gus. I hear you, Gus, saying thank you. I heard you do it, but you don't type it because uh, Eileen has the phone, right? Lord be with you all today and keep you safe. The uh, uh, Bible, excuse me, the service from last night, evening prayer, is available for you to watch streaming if you haven't or if you didn't join us there in person. Had good attendance. Thanks for coming out. Uh, also, the sermon is available separately on our website, stjohnrandomlake.org, which you can see at the bottom, slash church, slash media. Uh, and there you'll find just the sermon, if you like. Um, consider one of probably a martyr you hadn't considered. Is <laughs> not really the most uh, virtuous or upstanding character, Samson. Uh, so you can go listen to that again. Uh, maybe catch what you missed last evening. So, uh, Lord be with you all, and we'll see you again in the morning. <laughs>